Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Brings us to tonight's event. Scream All Night is a darkly hilarious romp about growing up and finding your place in the world. It's been called hilarious, heart-wrenching, with plenty of absurdity wrapped in undeniable heart and a searingly original debut. Derek Millman has worked as a playwright, screenwriter, film school teacher, DJ, and underground humor magazine publisher. A classically trained actor, he's performed on stages across the country and appeared in numerous TV shows, commercials, and films. Derek currently resides in Brooklyn, New York, where he writes fiction full-time, plays video games really badly, and buys lime green hoodies made of locally sourced hemp. Scream All Night is his first novel. Best known as the first crossover character, the fan favorite Pepper on FX's hit anthology series, American Horror Story, Asylum, and Freak Show, Naomi Grossman was named one of IMDb's top 10 breakout stars after her star meter skyrocketed to number one, making her the most searched in its 8 million person database. The Television Academy considered her for an Emmy for her portrayal in 2015, and Entertainment Weekly called her being cast in the role of the best in 2012. Fans may also recognize her from cameos in the feature films Table for Three, The Chair, Sky Sharks, Short Stack, and more. We're thrilled to have them with us this evening. Please join me in giving them a warm welcome. Dressed as the cover. As the I just cover. want you all to appreciate that for a second. Um, she's wearing a bat. Cool, so let's get, <laughs> let's get started. So, no one's read it yet, right? right this is yeah. the launch. It came out on Tuesday, so very few people have actually, some people, actually a lot of people here have read it, like my friends and family, but like the general public, not, sure. you know, okay. just getting around to. But I'm getting a lot of tweets and texts and Instagram tags, and it seems like people are really like, into it, and it's really moving, actually. Yeah. Cool to see. Yeah. Well, we'll do a Q&A afterwards, yes, but for right now, tell us about it. Um, the Scream Alive is about a 17-year-old kid named Dario Hayward. He grew up in a B-horror movie studio called Moldavia, which is in a gothic castle called Moldavia, but he's a very, he was a very nervous, sensitive kid, and he was being sort of mistreated by his father when he got cast as the lead role in the zombie movie. Um, which became a big cult hit for the studio. And he got legally emancipated and is living in a group home when he gets a call from his much older brother, Oren, who he's estranged from, telling him, come home, Your father, our father's terminally ill, and um, Dario winds up inheriting uh, the, the estate and the studio, and he has to decide whether or not to accept his family legacy or um, sort of leave all the pain and the trauma behind him. It is a dark, screwball comedy, but it has a very um, livid emotional core. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. it. I just like, it has a, it's very emotional, too. It has a darkness to it, but it has a very um, zany tone. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I 
personally loved about it is that I could hear you throughout. Oh, like really? it was like having my was like talking in your old ear. college friend, oh. you know, in my ear the whole time. So we went to college together. We were in an acting class. Um, you know, five years ago in college, and it's um, <laughs> funny. Um, and we, um, so that's how we became friends. And I, you said that you recognized a lot of people. I did. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so tell us about some of those. <laughs> I mean, I think so. Yeah. Uh, are there? I wouldn't say specifically that people I know. I think there are just facets of me that went into all those characters. I, there's not like people who are directly inspired or in a directly inspired Dario. Dario is probably my avatar mm -hmm. um, in a sense that he has my sensitivity and my sort of emotional vulnerability and my very snarky sense of humor and my sense of uh, the absurd. Mm -hmm. um, so he's very much me, but Oren represents another side of me and Haley represents another side of me um, and um, who's Haley is Dario's sort of long lost love who he gets reunited with at Moldavia when he returns. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I personally, uh, I mean, I, I felt like I was like, it was part Willy Wonka, part Lemony Snicket, part uh, um, The Great Gatsby, part Catch with a Y. A little bit of Crime and Punishment, Kelsey, yeah. <laughs> all sort of throw in there. No, truly. It had, um, I mean, it's, you've really created a world. Thank you. That's what I loved about it. It's like those movies, it's like, it's a, there's a whole universe that's that's created. Yeah, that's something that I was going to actually talk about because like a lot of people think world building is really just for like high fantasy novels or um, hard science fiction. I don't know what stories adverbs before these hard science fiction, high fantasy. Uh, but um, uh, there's world building throughout contemporary uh, fiction, and there was world building that went into Moldavia, that went into Scream All Night, and. I used a lot of real life inspirations as research to sort of build the world in Moldavia and the castle. Um, Hammer Horror, for instance, was a big influence. Uh, they were a British, if you don't know, they were a British film company that was sort of existed in the 50s and they had a repertory company of actors who went on to be famous like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing who's in Star Wars and um, Oliver Reed and they all were making these um, creature features. They had a deal with Universal. Uh, which is interesting because not everyone knows this, but Universal actually owns the look to all the classic monsters. So when you picture Frankenstein in your head or the mummy or Dracula, they own that look. So, I mean, it's in the public domain. You're welcome to go adapt Frankenstein or Dracula, but you can't use that look. Um, so they had a deal with Universal, so they're able to make all these creature features, and they sort of formed a repertory company of actors, and they did for a while move to a, a country estate in the, in the British countryside called Bray Studios, where they had filmed Rocky Horror. Uh, this is later. And they, for a while, filmed everything in this house, using every angle and every room, uh, until they were like, well, um, that's it. And then they left. And if you watch some of these movies, they're, they're not that, you know, they're kind of, they're a little bit trapped, because they're like in three rooms. <laughs> it's like, you know, because Dracula is like, I'm going to suck your blood. But first, let's come into the kitchen, and then we'll go back into the dining room. They're like in two rooms. It's like, it doesn't really go. Uh, but it was, but it's, they're very uh, schlocky, and that was a big influence, was Hammer. So I used, I did a lot of research. I had the idea first, but then I went back and I did a lot of research about Hammer and how they operated. And so to bring in, uh, 
air of authenticity to the book. So it wouldn't just be a carnival of, of the absurd. It would be grounded in something. I mean, I wonder, because reading it, there were certain people that were very familiar to me, and then others I thought, where, like, who is this Derek Millman? <laughs> like, who, like, where did all this come from? Yeah. Like, are you actually, like, a heir, heir to some movie studio somewhere? No. No, no. not at all? Sadly, no. Oh. No, but, like, I, there was a bit of method work that I brought, like, from my acting past where I was writing or drafting throughout the day and then at night I would re do a lot of research. Uh, not just on horror movies but on low budget filmmaking, on mental illness because uh, Dario's mother is schizophrenic and we had to get that right in terms of every little beat, every moment had to be perfect. So uh, the day would be divided in terms of like writing for like five to six hours and then maybe taking a break and then researching, watching films, reading books, sometimes you know, like 10 books would go into one scene, um, uh, which I didn't know was possible. So I kind of got dipped in the world. I was sort of immersed, I immersed myself so I could live through Dario's experience. Um, and that wasn't always, um, it's something that was, it was beneficial for the writing, but sometimes it was, it was mentally rough. Because right. there's, a, there's a very sad scene in the book where he visits his mom and she's in this, um, in this mental institution and you know a reader will get through that and be moved by that maybe in four minutes but it took me weeks to write that and get it right i was sort of submerged in that uh moment for a long time so it wears on you it's very similar at performing i'm <laughs> but, sure I'm yeah sure. there's a lot of parallels so there's a lot of um hilarious uh uh fictitious films yes with it yes um <sighs> Uh, Drink the Blood, My Darling is one. Uh, the Goblins That Only Ate Cake. The Stranglers of Strange Love Cove. Dial W for Witchcraft. I'm trying to remember if there's more. Uh, they're scattered throughout. Like, I'm dying to see this filmography. Yeah, so like I did actually write a filmography. Um, they all have plots and complete with casts. <laughs> uh, uh, but I thought maybe it would be fun to include it in, in the final version, but HarperCollins was like, no, no, sorry. Um, so uh, I, I still have it. I might do something with it, maybe put it on my website. But this is the next Harry Potter, then. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, sure. For now, it's Scream All Night, but it's going to be Scream All Day, Scream All Afternoon, we'll just Scream keep All Night. <laughs> and then I'll lay out Castle in Scotland. Let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so, uh, YA, like, why YA? Um, young adult, so that, that's an interesting question. Um, what you just said, Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling kind of, when I was a kid, there was a young adult section in the library, but it was like one little rack, and it was very cheesy looking book. It wasn't really a thing, although it had a name. She came along and sort of made it uh, a, a serious facet of publishing. Mm -hmm. Once Harry Potter happened, it sort of um, splintered. So we had lots of subgenres. We had the uh, paranormal romance, we had the Twilight, we had what's called contemporary, which John Green sort of paved the way for. I had to sort of wait my turn and, until my voice matched where publishing was, that Scream All Night would find a, <laughs> it's kind of a risky book, it's, it's no one's really read anything like it. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, I kind of had to wait my turn until I saw an in. Um, and when I was very young, I started reading J.D. Salinger. I, my dad gave me, not Catcher in the Right, he gave me like the other books when I was like seven. He's like, here's Frank and Zoe, here's Seymour. So I, that voice was in my head growing mm -hmm. up, as well as like the Adrian Mole books, which are fantastic by Sue Townsend, which were these sort of middle grade, who's like a, he was like 13 
13, but I was like nine when I was reading, so he seemed super old and very sophisticated. Um, and like that, so I was reading those books, but also reading like um, literary fiction. Mm -hmm. And then, as you know, in college, I got cast as Zoe and Franny and Zoe in the, our legal production, our very good but illegal production of Franny and mm -hmm. Zoe. And so <clears throat> when I played that role, I think the voice of the of got sort of in my blood. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I had that, I don't know, that sort of rhythm, the sound of what a young um, person would sound like. And so I sort of took my time to develop it. But a lot of major works of literature are technically young adult, from The Goldfinch to The Side of Paradise, Old Man of the Sea, Catcher in the Rye. There's like all our seminal work, uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. There, I mean, all these seminal works um, are technically YA. And YA is a very serious component of literature, and it deserves to be taken seriously. Um, but I think there's something about the awakening of a person and where everything is hyperbolic and everything is being experienced for the first time that's powerful um, that lends itself to art and lends itself to literature as well as film. Right. I mean, there's other things that are really very adult to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's an acid trip. Yes. Um, <laughs> he gets dosed with uh, so Was that inspired by us eating mushrooms? In no, I never did. You did that. I did. I, <laughs> no, you did that, and I took care of you. All. Oh. Don't you remember? Like, I'm like, let's. You got kicked out of that restaurant. Yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. You're all like seeing raccoons flying around, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I was like, you ate those bagels. Oh. Um, yeah. So no, I, um. I didn't do that. I was very like, no. I, it's not a good idea for me to uh, do that. No. Like, <laughs> No, um, yeah, but there were definitely subject. I mean, you know, there's a sex scene. Yes, the sex scene was actually much more um, graphic. I was really, I'm <laughs> steadily trying to push the envelope, but they were like, they call them the gatekeepers. Like they're like it's like a like Game of Thrones. Like, um, but it's they like the gatekeepers. Which are the parents? We need to pull back a little bit. It's like the envelope keeps getting pushed a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. Um, so. Um, and I think it served the story better anyway. I probably would have pushed back if I felt like it was going to harm the story or make it less strong. Mm -hmm. um, we learned, we were in the same acting class, and we learned from Kim to always make the most interesting choice. And that applies to all the arts, not just acting. It applies to um, writing as well. Um, and it was interesting to hear what the editor's perspective was. It wasn't just necessarily we're going to um, pull back because people won't buy the book, partly. Um, and people, you know, but it was also, all right, well, let me see my way in with the story to make this the strongest choice. Of course. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, what other kind of art inspires you? What? I mean, you're also an actor. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very visual person. Mm -hmm. I love going to museums, and obviously the, there's a, definitely a, a cinematic quality to my writing, a very visual sense of things. So, like, um, I will uh, watch films, and I will go and photography. I'm very interested in photography, and okay. if I have downtime, I will go and check out galleries, and I will go and watch, look at paintings, and that, that inspire One painting can inspire like a whole story for me. Mm -hmm. um, the visual arts, for sure. So you just said something very interesting. That you said it was very cinema, 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 cinematic. Cinematic. Yeah. Um, which I would definitely agree with. I understand you have some exciting Hollywood news. Yeah, the, uh, we, uh, there is um, the screen light is an option for TV um, by some amazing people. And Todd Miller, uh, Hazy Mills of Option, and they're, we're going to move forward and try to make this into like this amazing TV series, uh, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm like, so. <laughs> 
and like I'm disbelieving, but also like grateful and disbelieving and grateful, and just like I just feel very lucky. Oh, but I like, see hey, it. They're so sweet of them to come. So, awesome. um, so it's yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. Um, I think it'll be great for that. I really yeah. Do. No, I mean I see it. It's... Yeah. A lot of people. So, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, it, everything I write tends to have a video because I grew up reading books and watching movies. So everything is is visual to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I write visually. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. It doesn't. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned um, what books influenced you as a kid. Yeah. Uh, what, what what movies? What's your favorite horror movie? My favorite horror movie. Um, oh gosh, I can't. That, that, I get asked that a lot now. And you know, I wasn't like I wasn't like a horror freak, and then decided to write the book. I like was a movie freak who decided to write the book, and then I learned about horror. My my favorite horror movies tend to be the ones people already know about and celebrate, like The Exorcist and The Shining and um, Rosemary's Baby. The ones that have the great actors um, and the great directors are the scariest to me. Even maybe lesser known ones like The Omen with Gregory Peck or The Changeling with George C. Scott. Uh, those are all really because the acting is there and the direction is there so it makes it more real uh, there I mean I can name a lot of random ones like terror train like happy birthday to me if you're taking notes these are all they're quite well, most of them have Jamie Lee Curtis I don't know how she made all these things. <laughs> she must have like she was so busy during this decade but like she's in, she's in like 90% of them in some capacity um, so yeah ah I love it um, uh, I haven't been paying attention to the time. Uh, do we have time? Oh, are we are we ready for We're other people's questions? Take, you guys have some questions. We can take some questions. Well, I don't know. I have I, I have more too. You have more too. I do. All right. Well, tell us about the cover. Tell us about my dress. I, <laughs> your brows are great. Uh, the cover was inspired by. Um, well, actually, I, there's a beautiful book called The Art of Hammer, which is the collection of um, Hammer horror posters, which are pulpy and colorful and beautiful and strange. And I sent them to Harper Collins as inspiration. But I think they felt it was a little bit uh, too genre specific to um, for the cover. So they kind of took this. Or <laughs> this right here. Um, so they um, they made a sort of like a Hollywood sign, and they actually had asked me for uh, photos of. Um, Castles. So I sent them like 45 different uh, photos of castles, and then um, there's a thing about blossoms uh, in the book, which they did, and they they made the castles here. So it has a sort of fun goth feel, almost like Halloweenish. But, but also, you, there's a there's a movie, there's a movie, there's a cinematic thing with the lights. I think they did a great job. I will emphasize that a writer really has not much control over this kind of thing, uh, covers or. Um, uh, but they did a lot of really cool, like the spot gloss is beautiful, and there's a red binding, and it's actually wow. kind of my favorite thing I'll show you, um, the silver. That made me so happy. Uh. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, so what was the publishing process like? Um, I mean, like, when did you start all this? So I, writ I had written um, a young adult manuscript many years ago, not many, maybe like 2000. 13, um, and that got me my agent, and it got the attention of Harper Collins, who sort of there was an editor who took me under her wing, which is a very, very rare thing to happen. Um, so I was teaching at the time, and I sort of quit my job because it was sort of draining the life out of me to sort of focus on this book. And so we went through several stages of editing, and it almost got sold. 
uh, at Harper and at uh, Razorville, which is Penguin. So two houses tried to buy it, but then it got shut down in acquisitions because people thought it was too ambitious. They couldn't think of comp titles, so they thought this is too unique. Um, and it's basically similar to Stranger Things that came after, so now I'm like, really? Um, but while that was on submission, I was writing Scream All Night, and that sold pretty quickly. We actually had a double offer from HarperCollins. Uh, so there were two imprints vying for it, which was Balzer and Breyer, which is one I picked, and Harper Team. Um, and we felt balls were very better choice. Um, and then while Scream All Night was on submission, I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going. And I wrote another YA, which is actually coming out uh, in the spring, apparently. <laughs> it's coming out in the spring, uh, next spring. Uh, I've been on deadline for that while I've been promoting Scream. So I just turned in the draft, the revisions, which, was due, which were due August 1st. So my head has been spinning around. Uh, and I've been like sort of promoting this, but my head, my creative brain has been in, in the new one. Amazing. Yeah. There's already a scream online. What not really is it? Tell, can you tell us about yeah, it? Yeah, um, it is called, well actually they're changing the title. This this I'm having very little control over actually. Uh, they're changing the title and the cover. We're not sure what it's going to be yet. It is an LGBTQ thriller. It's a Hitchcockian thriller about a gay teen who gets caught up in a case of mistaken identity and has to go on the run from cyber terrorists and uh, federal agents, the government, each of, each, each of them exploiting him to their own purposes. It's sort of a loose homage to North by Northwest. And there's a, there's a gay terrorist organization called the Swans, and they want to take down all the old right people. Uh, so it's like, who are the bad guys here? Um, and he's this sort of broken kid um, who's, you know, uh, there was a lot, there's a lot of coming out stories that I was like, no, I want to, I want to have an openly gay, sexually active teen. I want him to, I wanted him to know who he is, and that's part of his, and they're like, okay. And uh, James Patterson has an imprint at Little Brown, so he actually was a big part of this. He's very active actively involved and they acquired it. Um, so it's going to be Little Brown uh, coming out um, next spring. Wow. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so exciting. Also to be a movie directed by uh, Steven Spielberg, not Kenny. I, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Left turn for him, yeah. Wow, okay. Um, uh, Take questions. Do people have questions? Yes. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good to see you. Um, I haven't heard much from actual teens yet. I've heard from, I don't even, I mean, uh, it seems like it's very spread out in terms of kids actually reading this and also like adults reading it. So I've heard from a lot of adults who like are really responding to the humor in the book and also very surprised by the fact that they were moved by it. They didn't expect the darkness in it, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of heavy topics. There's abuse and uh, mental illness and um, our DNA and family life. There's a lot of things that are, and so people are are responding like this is not what I expected. Uh, and some people have were expecting like a straight up horror or a straight up thriller, and we're like this is not a thriller. This is not. A, but I loved it. But I like that it had this. I like that. So that's been the response of where people just seem really surprised by it and, and are responding to its originality and the concept and the storytelling, which I'm thrilled about. And I, I love that people are responding to the humor and are quoting lines. That's a really good sign that that starts happening early. Um, so like, that's really good. Um, so, so far it's been, I mean, it's only been since Tuesday, but so far so good on this week. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. Believe me, I know. Yes, anyone else? Yeah, I 
see a whole like subgenre, like this very meta situation where we have not only like you know the squeezers or screamers, squeezers, the, yeah. squeezers, the, the fans of Scream All Night, but then like all your other like the killer cauliflowers. Right, like, right. We need to see that movie too. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> sure, maybe. And the killer cauliflowers is the movie that Oren uh, Dario's. Um, deluded older brother thinks is going to save his studio, um, and it comes from a, a total B movie background. But it also comes from my background as an actor and having to deal with so many scripts. And I'm like, what? Especially at Yale Drama, uh, where we were working very closely with the playwrights. Where are my Yale people? Raise your hand. Remember? So we were like having to deal with a lot of these uh, plays. We we're like, really? Um, okay. And and so I think uh, that influenced a lot of what Oren was doing in that with the killer cauliflowers. And Actually, that reminds me. There's um, only because there are Yale people here, as well as Northwestern. Go Cavs. Um, uh, the there is a, 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 a kind of Yale versus Harvard. Oh Maybe yeah, it's a very subtle. Uh, actually, it? Dario does. Uh, Dario gets accepted to Harvard, and he's sort of deciding between going to Harvard and going to um, and and accepting his role at, at Moldavia. Um, it was originally Princeton, but they were like really snooty about talking to me about <laughs> their admission process. While Harvard was like, uh, and it just seemed to make more sense because they also I did I researched everything. Harvard is more. Um, uh, accepting of gap years, and that was that's a thing in the book as well. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, there's a character at the end who went to Yale, and he, that's how he introduces himself, and that's a little bit of a wink to Yale and that character. I feel a little slighted. <laughs> the Wildcats were not represented. I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really kind of want to do a, a quick stage reading of the Justin Bieberman versus yes. Shaman, yes. but I know you're not prepared for that. You want to no, I mean, there's, there's literally a character named Justin Bieberman. Yeah, he doesn't, or he doesn't realize that, what he's doing. <laughs> In many ways. He's just sort of subconsciously yeah. influenced by... TMZ yeah. or something. Or maybe not even that. Maybe just lost in, the, in his own world. He really has. He's an infantile character. He's very. He hasn't really seen the world. He he has ambitions of being an au pair in Prussia. He doesn't even know that Prussia doesn't exist anymore. He lives in a Moldavian movie that was never made. He was a great. He's a great. He was a lot of fun to write. He's a great creation for me. Um, but look, do you guys have any more questions? Seriously. Oh, Max. Hi. Did you write all of? Warren's script or to include No, I had a ghostwriter, Max. Yeah, I wrote Warren's script. Yeah, yeah, but the whole thing, I mean. Oh, you mean like, did I write 120 pages of yeah, the color right, right. Yeah. No. Not, not No, I wrote those. More than what was included. No, actually, that was that was a fairly streamlined thing. That's pretty much unchanged too. The the there's a within the book there's Oren's script for the killer cauliflowers, which is people mention a lot because um, it's very it's a it's a giant disaster, and, and so and that's a big part of the conflict of the book. Um, and so there's a little bit of screenplay in the book, but no, I actually wrote those sections, and they haven't changed much. Since I just wrote them. Everyone's like, yep, that's pretty much it. Uh, but no, I didn't write a full script for Warren. Like I did with the other, the fake movies where I created plots for them in my head. I didn't do that for The Killer Cauliflowers. It's pretty much the scenes in the book or what you wrote. Uh, it's what's there. But that's a good question. Yes, Ben. What was the initial inspiration for the book? What was that first thing that said, I need to do this in I when I was a kid, we took a tour. It's my brother here. We grew up together. We we, we, were, we took a tour of uh, Universal Studios, and I remember seeing all the facades of movies that I love, from Back to the Future to Psycho. I did see that at a very young age, um, and I remember them taking us to rooms where they had. Um, 
uh, crops and furniture, and everything was on this lot. And I thought, what if there is a castle that is just functions as a self-contained studio, and they actually make movies in this castle, and it's sort of weatherproof. All the big rooms um, are sound stages, and there's a lighting department upstairs, and there's a creature uh, department uh, in the in the whale wing, which Dario goes unfortunately when he's accidentally trips on, uh, gets dosed with psilocybin, it's not a good thing. Um, and there's, what if there's like a lighting wing? And so I, I had the idea many, many, many years ago that um, what if a kid inherits a B-horror movie studio that's all in this castle? But it just seemed too outlandish. It seemed like impossible to um, come to bring it to fruition. It just took a few years. I had to write other things first before I was able to like gather the confidence and then use the research to ground the story. So that it, like this did sort of happen with Hammer Horror and Trauma Films too, um, which was different than Hammer. They made more like uh, Toxic Avenger, like. Um, more exploitative stuff, not the creature features, but like I used those things as like um, as a way to, as a way in, and then eventually um, I sent 50 pages to my agent, and she's like, I'm getting on a train, and so she met me and like at a at a bar near my apartment, and we kind of just talked about. It. She's like, I love this, I love the characters, I love the I love the family, I love the setting, and then we figured out what the plot was going to be, what the main conflicts were. It, it came in stages. It had to marinate a while. Anyone else? We have a, a young Yaley. Is that your son? It is. <laughs> How many days have you been writing this? That's a really good question. Um, well, this fall will mark three years since I first started drafting Scream All Night. So almost three years ago. Yeah. Question <laughs> though. Oh my God, it's so cute. <laughs> good question. So like right after we got out of college. Yeah, I was just gonna go do that. Yeah, good. Good, good. You kept on that timeline. Um, anyone else? Yes. So, what do you think the key is to getting kids to read? The key to getting kids to read? Ooh, that's a good question. I think ultimately reading just has to be fun. Um, <clears throat> I think they just have to. They have to be into the idea. No one in publishing really knows what's going to hit next, and that's the thing with trends, where people start write, trying to write for trends, but then when the book is eventually on submission, that trend is over. Like, there's no more, there's no more gay werewolves anymore. You can't do that, and that's done. Or, or, or paranormal romance, or everything has its moment. So I think, like, um, I think kids respond to truth. Um, and they will uh, be attracted to books that have an element of truth where they see themselves in them, uh, which is why I think Angie Thomas had such a um, major success at The Hate You Give, uh, and Becky Albertalli with uh, Simon, I'm just naming people in my imprint, at uh, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. It's just certain things hit at the right moment, and I think kids see themselves in, in the idea, in the characters, and then word of mouth builds it. And I think if, if it's fun for them, if they relate to it, um, they, it's, it's not forced on them. Um, yeah, <laughs> that it's, um, that that works. I mean, when I was a kid, I was like, when we were in high school, there was a lot of uh, 19th century British literature from like a lot of Thomas Hardy that was sort of foisted on me and it was rough. I was 14, I'm like, I don't want to read the test of the Durbervilles right now. I just, I don't, I'm not, but you know, I think it's different if it's, if it's pleasure and if it's an idea that they, yeah. Good question. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Um, will there be an audiobook version? There is an audiobook version. Yeah. It's a, yeah. There's an audiobook. There's an audiobook. There's an ebook, and there's the hardcover. Yeah. Uh, Dan Bittner. Yeah. You know him? He's like a following. I'm in the. I'm in the. I'm an area. 
Oh, oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that, that's also something I didn't really have, Authors doesn't really have much input, they kind of just do it. Harvard just, have, they have an audio division and they just take care of it. Um, and they're like, yeah, here it is. <laughs> Hope you like it. <laughs> um, I think you should have done it. I mean, I yeah, hear yeah. your voice. Yeah, but I'm, they, they, do, they don't do that. And they you're not Yeah, unless you're, it's like a celebrity memoir, they yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not done there. But they just have their own rules about it, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> Anyone else? No? Should we do, should we just move to the signing then? Should we? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do right. it. We're gonna sign some books. Yay! You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.